Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features Senior Pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. In this episode, we learn about the danger of not fully committing to the life of a Christian. Pastor Eric discusses the discipline and judgment for the church at Sardis in Revelation chapter 3. We learn about God's sudden judgment of those who may seem to be spiritually alive, but still live for their selfish desires. We should remain awake and watchful to evil and choose Christ over our sinful desires. And now, here's Pastor Eric. This morning, we're going to continue in our Revelation series on the seven churches, and we are now on the fifth church. You know, when we started this series, I almost wanted to put this promise out to you and and to the community. I promise you this. If you come to a Daresville Baptist church, you'll be blessed. And I can show you from Scripture how it's so. That'd be kind of a, a neat thing, right? I can promise you, if you are in church on these seven Sundays, when we look at these seven churches, you will be blessed, and I'll be blessed too. Look at Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3. This is what God's Word says. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Thank you, Lord. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. God says this, it, for us, we're blessed. I mean, in a special way, just reading these words, we're blessed. You as a church, just hearing, soaking in the words, you're blessed. And if we keep these things, we're going to be blessed. I want to tell you um, a story, and I'll withhold the, the names to protect the guilty or, or innocent, however you want to look at it. But we had a, a lunch with a uh, church member this week. And this church member was talking about uh, how they got into, I guess you would call it taxidermy or stuffing dead animals, right? And so this church member talked about this dead um, flying squirrel that was stuffed. And uh, the, the, the story goes that, that occasionally you would see that flying squirrel uh, flying from the ceiling fan <laughs> of, this, of this church member's house. And so uh, this morning we're going to look at a church that's kind of like that stuffed flying squirrel. So now you're thinking, who is that? I'll never tell. (laughs) And how is this church like the stuffed flying squirrel? Let's read God's Word, um, just blessed words. We find ourselves in Revelation chapter 3. This is the church at Sardis. Jesus speaks His, His message. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write the words of Him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you've received and heard. Keep it and repent. If not, if you'll not wake up, I'll come like a thief and you'll not know at what hour I'll come against you. Yet, you still have a few in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they'll walk with me in white, for they're worthy. 
The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I'll never blot his name out of the book of life. I'll confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Lord God, we thank you for your message. And now, God, we pray that your word would, would penetrate our hearts. You would touch our church in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, first, I want to start with the place. We find ourselves now at the place, the church at Sardis, the city of Sardis. It's important to note that at one time, Sardis was the capital of Lydia. At one time, it was a very, very wealthy city. They kind of experienced a gold rush, if you will. And so gold was plentiful in the area, and a lot of people flocked to Sardis hoping to make it rich. This was Sardis. It was a trade center. It was located at the middle of five main roads, so five junctions come together in Sardis. It was known for loose living. It had a reputation of these pagan festivals where there was a, a time of sin. A lot of people in the city practiced idol worship. There were a lot of cults, many of them, many different secret religions. Most people in the city of Sardis would have practiced some type of, of pagan worship. One important thing that we need to note this morning about Sardis is this, is that it was located on a plateau. Remember last week we looked at Thyatira and we said Thyatira was in the, the plain, in the valley. They weren't very good militarily because it was, it was a plain. Sardis was not that way. Sardis sat up on that mountain and it was almost impenetrable. It was actually thought to be unbeatable. You could only access Sardis from the south. There was one little, little way you could get up that plateau and the way Sardis could be defeated. It was only defeated twice, two times. Um, once because of overconfidence. They got overconfident in their position. The other time they were defeated as a city uh, was just because of this. They failed to watch. They failed to watch, and, and so an army snuck in. There was this proverbial saying about Sardis. To capture Sardis meant to do the impossible. This is Sardis. They were also known for making wool clothing or, or wool garments. And they had actually claimed to be the first ones to discover how to dye wool. When Jesus writes to this church, He's going to use language that they're familiar with, and, and you'll see that later on. This is the place Sardis. He says to the angel, the church at Sardis, write the words of Him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. We move from the place to the person. The person is Jesus Christ. In every letter, he, he portrays Himself a little bit differently. To the church at Sardis, this is how Jesus describes Himself. The one who holds the seven spirits. What does that mean? Full of the Spirit. Complete. A reference to the Holy Spirit. A reference to Christ, being, being life, being in charge. He is also seen holding the seven stars. Remember when we went back to Revelation chapter 1, verse 20, John identifies what those stars are. Those stars are the seven pastors, if you will, or the seven angels. And so this is Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, controlling the leadership in these churches. The Spirit gives life to church. Remember on the birthday of the church in Pentecost when the, when the Spirit moved it's the Spirit that gives us life. And Jesus says, I'm the one that gives your church life and direction. I hold the stars. I'm in control. I'm the wise, the sovereign one. This is Jesus. The same Jesus directs our church. But the church at Sardis, it had a problem. 
in a lot of these letters we've been looking at, Jesus will have some kind of word of praise to issue, and He'll start with the praise before He moves to the problem. Not so with Sardis. They have a problem and it needs addressed. And look at it in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, To the angel of the church in Sardis, write the words of Him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Here's the first problem. They had a reputation of being alive, but they were dead. That's a strong word, right? If someone calls your church a dead church, that is not a positive thing. I can think of almost no greater insult to a church to say, that church is dead. You're dead. You're dead. There's no spirit there. There's there's no life there. It's as if Jesus has left the building and, and the members don't know it. Jesus says, I know your works. When I take the spiritual x-ray of your church, I see you for what you are and you have the reputation that you're alive, but you're dead. Those in the community think, oh yeah, First Baptist Church of Sardis, we, we've got it going on. Look, look, they, on this high plateau in, in gold, I don't know what their church budget was like, I don't know what their attendance was like, but, but in the community, everybody looks at Sardis and goes, that's an effective church. Wow! They have a reputation, if you will. They have a name. But Jesus says, no, I, I know. And you're dead. It breaks my heart for the church at, at Sardis. It, it breaks my heart for the church in America. I wonder what Jesus thinks when He looks at the church in America. And perhaps He would say, you have a, a reputation for being alive. You, you do conferences. You write books. You have, you have churches on every street corner. You have this name for yourself. But when I look at you, and I observe your works, they're dead. There's no, there's no life there. The, the problem with this church at Sardis is this. They had lifeless profession. Lifeless profession. I want to take you back to Jesus' words to a group that was dead. And it's so sad that they were like this. You don't have to turn there, but in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus speaks to the Pharisees. Listen to His words. I can't help but think of the church at Sardis. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you're like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within, you're full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within, you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Wow. Like what a word of condemnation to the Pharisees. Outside, you look good, like a, like a monument in Washington, D.C., but inside, you're unclean. You're full of dead things. You're full of dead bones. I wonder how many churches Jesus would, would look at and say, look at this, wow, what, what, a, what a building. What a, what a, what a whatever, <laughs> you know, outwardly. But when I look at it, woe to you, like the Pharisees. Here's the church at, at Sardis. They were like a museum full of stuffed animals. You ever been to one of those museums? And you see all these, these stuffed animals and outside it looks good, right? Or maybe it's the wax museum and you just know that you're standing right beside Michael Jackson or somebody else, you know, John Kennedy, but they're just wax, right? I, I, looks, yeah. And this is the church at Sardis, but in reality, you're dead. 
They're dead. Here's the truth. It's this. Living things change, right? Living things change. My kids grow up. You and I, we change. Living things change. Dead things, they don't change. They don't change. Of course, they can stay the same. But it's like that stuffed animal, right? It's like the flying squirrel on the outside when we go, that thing's alive. If Caleb saw the the flying squirrel, squirrel, he would freak out, wouldn't he? Because it has this appearance that it's doing something, but in reality, you and I know it's dead. Man, is this the church today? I don't know. I hope not. Here's the truth. is this, is that living things move. Right? That's how we know it's alive. That's how we know the, the flying squirrel is alive because it moves. Living churches move. They, they, they do things. Dead churches don't move. They don't move. Living things breathe. And we can see it. Dead things don't breathe. And Jesus gives life. And the Spirit gives life. And that's how we can tell when we look at ourselves. Right? So often in Scripture, When the word dead is used, it refers to sin, right? You're dead in your sin and your trespasses. That's what a dead church looks like. Maybe it's sin, right? Maybe it's sin in leadership. Maybe it's sin in the pew. Maybe it is some sin that they've just grown so complacent about. I know this. You have a name for yourself. You have a reputation. But when I look, you're dead. It's sin. We said this, that church is not a building, right? We looked at that. Church is ecclesia. It's a people of God on mission for God. Church is not a program. It's not an hour a week. You're church. I'm church. We are church. And so then it kind of hits closer to home, doesn't it? It convicts us because when he says that we're dead, he means us, not the building. Of course, it's, it's dead, right? But when he looks at the people, if God was to look into your heart, Jesus, and say, You have this reputation of Christian. You call yourself that. You claim membership at a church. But when I look at you, I don't see life. You're dead. And it hits home. It convicts us in the pew. It should convict us in the pulpit. Do you know why? Because the letter is addressed to the angel. The Greek word means messenger. He writes to the messenger of the church at Sardis. I don't want to be the pastor of the church at Sardis because he says to you, messenger. You have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. I wonder how many in our pulpits this morning, all across America, they have this reputation. But in reality, dead. It's for for people and it's for pastor. And it convicts. Tom Rainier is, is LifeWay's CEO over their, over their company. Uh, Tom Rainier has been around for a long time. In, in 2003, he did a, a church evaluation. A church invited him in and said, Dr. Rainier, come into our church and, uh, and evaluate us. Kind of uh, help us do some assessment on the state of the church. And so he, he did that. He wrote a blog post 10 years later in 2013. He received news that the church died. Folded closed its doors. And so he he did a blog post called Autopsy of a Dead Church. 
following that, he would write a really small book. I have it on my shelf. It's really popular right now. It's one of the best sellers. It's a small, simple read, but it's called Autopsy of a Deceased Church. And where it, what happened is Dr. Rainier said, let me, let me take 14 churches, all of them that closed their doors, all of them were dead churches. And he said, if we were to perform an autopsy and just look for signs, uh, commonalities in these churches, what happened? What happened? What does a dead church look like? These are some of the things that he says. Number one, the church refused to look like the community. The church refused to look like the community. He says the community began a transition toward a lower socioeconomic class 30 years ago, but the church members had no desire to reach the new residents. The congregation thus became an island of middle class members in a sea of lower class residents. Jesus would say, You have a name for yourself, but you're dead. Number two, the church had no community-focused ministries. No attempt to reach the community. Number three, members became more focused on the past or on the memorials. He says this, don't hear my statement as a criticism of memorials. Please don't. The point is that memorials became an obsession at the church. More and more emphasis was placed on the past. Dr. Rainier's words, number four, the percentage of the budget for members' needs kept increasing. At the church's death, the percentage was over 98%. He said, you can tell by your church budget, it started to move inwardly to take care of ourselves, to make us comfortable, to pay our air conditioning bills and to do our socials and to do our food. And very little of the money went to missions. You have a name for yourself, but, but you're dead. Number five, he said, there were no evangelistic emphasis. When a church loses its passion to reach the lost, the congregation begins to die. He says this, the great commission became the great omission. You stop reaching out, you die. Number six, the members had more and more arguments about what they wanted. This is what I want, a preference-driven church. Number seven, with few exceptions, pastoral tenure grew shorter and shorter and shorter, high turnover. Number eight, the church rarely prayed together. Uh, you know, prayer requests here and there, but, but they never really prayed with each other. Number nine, the church had no clarity as to why it existed. We don't know why we're here. We don't know our purpose. No clear vision. Number ten, the members idolized another heir. If we could just get back to the, the good old days. If we could just go back. Number eleven, the facilities continued to deteriorate or there just became an obsession with, with the facilities there. And this is the autopsy that he, he found just common in all of these different churches. Jesus says there's a problem. Here's the second problem. They had incomplete works. Not only were they dead, strong language, strong rebuke, but they had incomplete works. You see it in verse 2. Jesus says, For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. King James says perfect. It really means this, complete, right? Because no work is absolutely perfect. That, that word means complete. He says this, you have incomplete works. They were falling short of their Christian duties. Here's the, the, the good thing, is that Dr. Rainier doesn't determine an alive church and a dead church. You know who determines it? Jesus. Jesus does. It's, it's His church. It's not man. I can't, I can't put that label on a church, and neither can you. The truth about Sardis is this. They had reputation without reality. Reputation without reality. So many Christians in the Bible Belt. Maybe this is the case, right? Our reputation, yeah, I'm a Christian. 
But the reality, wow, just don't see it. Perhaps like the city, the church in Sardis was living on the past glory, right? We're okay. We're okay. We're, look, we're on a high plateau. You can't defeat us. You can't get to us. And so we just become complacent. We just become apathetic. And we're defeated. We're defeated. Perhaps the church at Sardis became just like the city. No, no acts of invasion. Right? It would have been real comfortable for that city just to stay on their plateau and to go, we don't, we don't have to go down into these places where it's uncomfortable for us or it makes us sweat or think about hiking back up to Sardis. So let's just stay right where we are. Right? No, no outreach. No missions. No evangelistic emphasis. Just sit on the hill. And that's what they did. Maybe they had just become comfortable. They were going to be captured. It's important to note this too. That, that deadness is not dryness. Right? That, that sometimes there are periods in our Christian life where we're just dry. We go through these dry times. But dryness is different than deadness. Dryness says something just doesn't feel right and I'm just not as close. and I, Maybe I just don't feel like reading the Word, but I do it. But deadness says this, I really just have no desire for it. I don't have a desire for the Word. I, I know that I should you know, reach out to those in the community and I, that's hard for me. I have to work a little bit on my evangelistic zeal. But de- That's dryness, but deadness says I just don't care. It doesn't break my heart that people are going to tell I don't care. That's dead. This is the problem for the church at Sardis. Jesus is the great physician and He always gives a prescription for the problem. Here's the prescription. Look at verses 2 through 3. Jesus says, Wake up! Be watchful. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you've received and heard. Keep it and repent. Five things on your outline. The prescription first, I want you to write this. Wake up. Wake up. I think in the King James it says, Be watchful. Be watchful. This is language that they knew because you know what? In their past history, they hadn't been. Whoever was asleep that night that the city was attacked from that south side, they were sleeping on the job. They weren't watchful. And it was captured. They were too comfortable, right? So they knew this. And Jesus says to the church, wake up. The Greek word means this, be on alert. Keep your eyes open. Paul would use it in in Romans 13 to say this, wake up from your spiritual slumber. Oh, that some churches today would wake up. Here's the next thing. He says, strengthen what remains and is about to die. Strengthen what remains. Sadly, in 2003, Dr. Rainier told that church some things that they might want to consider doing. And, and he actually told one of the members in the parking lot, he said, I think, I think if, you don't, if you don't change, your church is going to be dead in five years. And he was wrong. It took ten years for the church to close its door. But they didn't, they didn't strengthen what remains. And Jesus says here, there are some things in Sardis that, you're, that you are doing well. Strengthen those things. If you don't wake up and strengthen, it's going to die. Here's the third thing. Remember. Literally in the Greek, it's keep on remembering. It's like this continuous thing. Keep it in mind. Think of it, what you've received and what you've heard. You've got to remember God's Word. Remember the truths. Remember God's command. Wake up. Strengthen. Remember. Here's the fourth thing. Obey. Obey it. Or keep it. The Greek word is tereo. It means to keep. It means to persist in obedience. To hold fast. We don't, we don't really understand that word, but we do understand this word. Obey. Obey. 
Obey it. Observe it. Here's the last one. Time and time again we see this word in the letter to the seven churches and it's this word, repent. Repent. Turn. Change. Remorse that leads to action. There's a great evangelist, Billy Sunday. He was a baseball player first. Billy Sunday said this, when is revival needed? When is revival needed, Billy Sunday said, when carelessness and unconcern keep the people asleep. God, wake us up. Wake us up. So what does revival look like for the church at Sardis? What does revival look like for, for a Daresville Baptist church or, or First Baptist Pinson or, or, or a church in Nicaragua or a church in Africa? What does it look like? I could say it would probably look just like that. I think that's a biblical formula for revival. You know what happens? We wake up. We wake up. The Spirit breathes life in our church and we say, wow, let's be watchful again. And we strengthen what remains. There are some things that we're doing well and there are some things that maybe need polishing and need strengthening. Let's strengthen the church. Jesus, help us. And then what do we do? We remember. Remember what? What we've received. Remember what we heard and there's a hunger for this and we go back to it time and time again. This is what I want to stand on. Remember it. And then what do you do next? You obey it. You tereo. You hold fast to it. You keep it. It's hard part. It's where the rubber meets the road, right? But we start to live obedient lives. A desire for holiness. And then what does it lead to? Repentance. Repentance. And when we see churches to start to do those things, revival takes place. Do you want to see it? I want to see it. I want to tell you this. I am no pastor of a dead church. And it's not going to happen on my watch. And you know what I know to be true about you too? You are no member of a dead church because there's life here. There's life here. I see it. I see it in you. I see excitement over what God is doing. And you know what? They see it. And when they see it, it gives, it gives God glory. And it's a testimony to Him. That'll preach. But Jesus says this, there's a possible judgment. If you don't take the prescription, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. If you don't do these things, church in America, something's going to happen. Here's the possible judgment. Look at it, verse 3. If you will not wake up, I'll come like a thief, and you'll not know at what hour I'll come against you. If you don't wake up, Jesus says, I'm going to come like a thief, and a thief comes to judge. A thief comes unexpectedly to steal. Once upon a time, that city had experienced that thief, and it came right up that path unexpectedly. Nobody was aware of it. Pooh! The city was captured. Right? Jesus says to the church, if you don't do this, you're going to die. One of the things that, that Dr. Rainier talks about is that those, those dead churches, sometimes it's a slow erosion. It's just a little by a little by a little and nobody sees it that's, that's here and involved because it just happens so slowly over time. We're not watchful, right? We, we just become unaware to it. And Jesus says, if, if you let that slow erosion happen, if you don't change, I'm coming like a thief and I'm, I'm going I'm to remove your church. This is the possible judgment. He, he eventually gets to a praise. You see it in verse 4. Look at it. Yet. Oh, I love the yets, right? Though, yet, yet, yet you have still a few names in Sardis. People who have not soiled their garments and they'll walk with me in white. 
Tim, in my office, you saw that prop that I was going to use? Could you go get that for me? Thank you, thank you. You become like a great uh, citizen of Sardis to go get the garments. They were familiar with garments, right? They would, they would make these wool garments. They were manufacturing those things. So Jesus uses language that they would understand. And He praises the church. He says this, You have a few in Sardis that are faithful. Praise God, right? Even in tough times, even in a dead church, there were still a few that were faithful. Dead churches always have godly remnants, right? Not everybody's dead, right? And, and Jesus says, I praise those people, those, those few in Sardis who are this faithful remnant. Thank you, sir. And Jesus says this, those, they haven't soiled their garments with sin stain, right? It's as if you and I all have robes on this morning and, uh, and I sin and, and look what color mine is. <laughs> it's, it's dark and navy and uh, it's, it's full of sin, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, Right? We have all these sins over us. and not, There's nothing I can do about this. There's no way I can make this jacket white. It will not happen. right? It's, it's not by my efforts. We are all stained, colored with sin. Jesus says there, there are a few. They haven't soiled their garments. You know, totally, they're, just, they're, they're, they're with me on this. And this is the promise to them. He says, they'll walk with me in white for they're worthy. This is a good thing. He moves to the promise. Thank God for His promise. All seven churches end on a promise. And we get to end on a promise this morning. Look at verse 5. The one who conquers. The one who overcomes. To the overcomer. This is the gift. He says this. The overcomer will be clothed. Thus, in white garments. I will never, in the Greek, never, not ever, ever blot His name out of the book of life. I'll confess His name before my Father. And before His angels. The promise is this. Jesus says the faithful are going to be honored. The faithful are going to be honored. Who is the overcomer? 1 John 5, 5. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. The Christian is an overcomer. This promise is for you too. And He says this. The overcomer is going to be honored. You're going to be honored one day. You're going to have fellowship with Jesus. And you will be clothed in white. You'll be clothed in white. I'm not righteous. But when I put my faith in Jesus, there's this divine covering that takes place. And I'm covered in Christ's righteousness. Not because I'm righteous, because I'm not. He became sin who knew no sin, so we might become His righteousness. And so when the Father looks at me, He sees the righteousness of Christ. Not my righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. And Jesus says to the overcomer, to the one who believes, you have this white garment. Praise God. You'll walk with Him dressed in white. I baptized Harmony at the beginning of this year and Caleb said, Dad, why were you wearing a dress? <laughs> right? This is weird to him. I want to wear this, okay? I, I want us to be right there really soon, alright? So I'm, I'm praying for that. Every week, every, every, almost every day of the week, I'm in this place and I'm praying and I'm praying, God, I want in the baptistry. I want to see somebody... Lord, bab baptized, and we wear this. And it's silly to my son, right? Dad's wearing a dress. What does it represent? Why would we wear this? It's great symbolism. The righteousness of Christ. And so that's why we wear this when we walk through the waters. This is the promise to Sardis, and it's the promise to you as well. He gives this last promise of assurance of salvation. 
It's, a, it's like a double negative in the Greek. It just emphasizes there's no way this is going to happen. And Jesus says this, I will never blot his name out of the book of life. And you say, oh, preacher, right there. There's a sign that somebody can lose their, their salvation, that Jesus blots names out of the book of life. Not so. He doesn't say it. He doesn't say that He blots names out of the book of life in the Greek. He puts two things together to even make it stronger emphasis. We don't get that in the, in the English, so we just kind of have to read it as it is. But He says this. This is the promise. I will never blot His name out of the, the book of life. It doesn't happen. I don't blot names out of the book of life. Believe a child of God. Once a child of God, always a child of God. You have assurance of your salvation. You don't have to doubt it. Once you're clothed, you're clothed. And Jesus gives them this promise. And oh, how they must have just rejoiced in it. And then verse 6, we close. It just shows that this letter's for you and me. It's for everybody. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That God would speak to us. As we close this morning, two great questions. How are we like this church and how are we different? You as an individual, how are you like this church and how are you different? Are we like stuffed animals that appear alive, but we're really dead? I ask you this question this morning. Man, that I could ask a lot of churches this question. You want to be a part of a museum? Or do you want to be a part of a movement? I want to be a part of a movement. I want to see God move. And, and, and the church, where He starts first, are your works incomplete? Only you can, can tell that. Jesus can tell. Are you falling short of your Christian duties? Do you have reputation without reality? Are you living on past glory? Are you asleep? Are you comfortable? Are you complacent? What are you going to do differently? And there's what to do, right? He, he gives it to us. Remember. Obey. Repent. Remember. Obey. Repent. And if you're an overcomer this morning, thank God. Thank God for His promise. Thank God for that eternal security and that you will walk with Him dressed in white. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.